You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you so much once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. First things first, a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Every day can be a payday by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action, ranging from basketball to golf and DraftKings. There's plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all of sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And you know what? I hope you took part in DraftKings because at least then as an Oilers fan, you might have won something. The Edmonton Oilers losing three straight games to the Toronto Maple Leafs last time we spoke on Tuesday. I was optimistic. I thought maybe the Oilers can find a way to turn things around, pick up a big win on Wednesday night. That didn't happen. It, it, in fact, it probably got worse. The Oilers losing 6-1, to one, but I guess they got a goal. You got to see the dry saddle Nugent Hopkins-Yamamoto line reunited once again in the time that they spent together, and that might have been where the positivity ended. Uh, for the Oilers now looking ahead to the future, on Saturday night they take on the Calgary Flames, then on Monday they begin a three-game set with the Ottawa Senators. So I think very important to note that the Toronto Maple Leafs are the top team in the North Division. The Edmonton Oilers might have got a slice of humble pie. Let's see how they bounce back on Saturday. That's the big thing for me. Can they show that they're not this team that's just a tough opponent and go out there and pick up a few consecutive wins? I think we know they have the talent, but it'll be really interesting to see how they respond in those games. And uh, I'm looking forward to them. Saturday night, Battle of Alberta, always a fun one. If I was a gambling man, which I can be, I would put a little bit of money on Connor McDavid to put up some points there because I think he's going to bounce back pretty strong. On the show today, we are going to bring in the hosts of the Don Wheaton on White post-game show, which you can hear on TSN 1260, Tom Gazzola and Hernan Salas. We'll get their thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers in uh, the last three games for them and and what happens going forward. We're also going to talk to Ryan Holt. He, of course, is the play-by-play voice of the Bakersfield Condors, the Edmonton Oilers AHL affiliate. They've got their season underway, and Stuart Skinner is playing some unbelievable hockey for the Condors. Two straight shutouts, almost 150 minutes without allowing a goal. So we'll talk to Ryan Holt and uh, get his thoughts on the Bakersfield Condors and, you know, the future Oilers. See how Tyler Benson's doing and who's surprising? Who's somebody you might not know much about, but looking pretty good for the Condors that coming up later on in the show. But let's talk about those Edmonton Oilers with Tom Gazzola and Hernan Salas. Of course, you can give Tom Gazzola a follow on Twitter at Tom Gazzola. You can also catch him on the oil stream with Dustin Nielsen. As I mentioned, one half of the Don Wheaton on White pregame show, the other half, Hernan Salas, which you can hear on the Two Guys in a Goalie podcast as well as Locked On Oilers. Gentlemen, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Excellent. Nice day outside. The Oilers are on a losing streak. It's perfect. 
I'm doing great. I don't know about you guys. I did a lot of stuff around the house today. Like I, I cleaned up. Uh, I ordered some new bed sheets, uh, laundry, wow. and maybe this is a tell of how old I'm getting and how lame I'm becoming. <laughs> but I actually feel very satisfied with my day. It's just things you have to awesome. accomplish as an adult. I mean, those are things you have well, to do, and I respect that, Tom. And on top of that, I can't wait to wash my car this weekend. <laughs> I'm watching the snow melt outside my balcony and going, okay, by Saturday or Sunday, I should be able to wash it. Can't wait. Uh, and then I also have a couple of little projects for the interior that I need to work on. And my my uh, gear shifter, the the paint on the top, it's 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 scratching off. And I've already looked up how to like redo it, sand it down, primer, recoat it. I'm very excited to do this as well. Like I don't know why. <laughs> and then like I have some plumbing work that I have to do. I I don't know anything about home repair but i've learned a lot and i enjoy the task you know what i actually i was uh, driving past a car wash today and i saw about eight cars backed up ready to go in bad time to do it that's what i thought well, bad it seems a little early <laughs> that's like that's like taking a shower and rolling in the dirt right after that's not the right uh-huh. time to do it oh, okay well guys let's uh, talk a little bit about the oilers and i know tommy i think you've got a delicio in the oven so we won't keep you too long here that's gourmet <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Delicio. That, that's another thing in my age I've learned to really appreciate. Frozen pizza yeah. is just fine. Now, of course, you guys, like I mentioned, the hosts of the Don Wheaton on White Post Game Show here on TSN 1260. And I've got to imagine after uh, three straight losses to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you guys had some pretty fun shows. Go ahead, Nanso, because the Latino heat brings the passion. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it was good. And, and listen, uh, you know, it was interesting last night. But you, you get the crazies, right? Like Trey Conway David and, and Fire Ken Holland and uh, Go Get Raquel at Anaheim. But I thought for the most part, the fans were pretty were pretty calm. I mean, they, they no one's happy that they lost three games to the Maple Leafs and only scored one goal. Uh, but you can't forget the good they've done. And, and, and the, those 11 wins they picked up in 13 games, that cannot be forgotten. They did some really good things. Uh, they played some excellent hockey. So this team is somewhere in between – I think that February stretch and these three games in Toronto. So, again, this is a team. It's a work in progress. Uh, they're turning the corner. they got to find a way to uh, to break this slump right now. And, and you have to give credit to the um, the Maple Leafs. They played really well. But, honestly, Connor, on the post-game show, it was it was a little bit of everything. But I, I, I thought the most of it, like maybe 60 to 70%. Fans, yeah, they're not happy with what they've watched the last three games. But... All in all, it's like let's calm down. It was it's only three games. Uh, this team has been pretty good this year. And Tom, I know. I mean, you're you're hosting. You got these texts flying in, and uh, I'm sure some of them make it to air that just provoke even more people. But I mean, you, you see those losses, and you see the way things are going. Obviously, people deservedly and and you know they're going to be upset about the performance to me the biggest concern was that we didn't see any real improvement in these games like it it got worse in the last game with a 6-1 loss and and that's i think a product of the schedule connor when you have these mini series and in hockey that's such a high intensity sport where you basically see one team once and then you move on to the next one this is outside of the playoffs this is so different that it's almost like, and I'm trying to read the the team. Obviously, it was feisty post game between the media and 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 the players. That's fine. That's going to happen. But 
I think because it was a three-game set, Toronto had an answer for Edmonton in game one, then again in game two, that by game three, as soon as that first VC goal went in, the Oilers' will was broken. It was totally, whatever good they did in the first five minutes, out shooting the Leafs, like that was gone. Like it, so I, I said it on, on the Jason Greger show too, is like the best thing for the Oilers is to not see a Maple Leaf crest and blue and white in front of them next game. Because I think they were so dejected by the third game that, uh, if things weren't going to go their way, they were going to get right back into the rut as soon as the first bad thing happened to them. And that's exactly what happened at nine minutes into the first period when VC scored. It was over. It didn't matter what the Oilers did after that. Their, their will to win was broken. And it's because I think part of it is this, the schedule where you have these mini series and, and they felt like they couldn't muster anything up. And you know how hockey teams run on adrenaline and that, that piss and vinegar attitude. It it didn't amount to anything, and and I think that that's part of this as well. Big picture, Hernan kind of hit on it. It's three losses, yes. It's a big-time crappy lesson, but it's better to go through it now. Galvanize yourself, and the big test, I think, of the character will be Saturday to see what this team has in, in, in with the, within itself, pardon me, because if they come out flat against Calgary, then we're going, uh-oh, that's not good. But if they come out and just torch Calgary, blast Calgary, have a good, solid performance against the Flames and walk away with two points, you're going, okay, good. See, you're not, you're not a bad team. You did lose three in a row to the best team in the division, but that doesn't mean you're not a good team. So I think that's going to be the, the curious element of Saturday's game. And this, there's, we're not even halfway through the season, you guys. Like, there's a lot of hockey left. There's going to be bumps in the road, and, and they just hit a nasty pothole in, in an Edmonton spring. Hernan, uh, you and I both like to throw a couple of dollars down on the bets here. Uh, for Connor McDavid, this game on the weekend against the Flames, are you taking the over in points? Oh, man. Um, Is it at one and a half? You know, yeah. <laughs> there's options. So let's, let's say I said it at one and a half. You go over? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's three straight games. I mean, like hell, I'd even put that on dry sidle. He, he, I, he got an assist on the, on the new school, but, um, I definitely will. I, I listen, I don't know how the game's going to go. The, the goaltending of this team always has me a little bit nervous and worried. So they're going to need to score probably three, four goals to win this game. So I definitely take the over in this one. One one real concerning thing to me was obviously the offense only generating one goal in those three games. Uh, do do we have to start to give the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit more credit here for what they were able to do defensively? And and also like based off that, do you think that that kind of just you know increases the gap from the Maple Leafs to everyone else in the North Division, starting with Hernan? Yeah, I think you do, man. And then Tom made a great point. Like Toronto, you knew if they were getting that first goal that it was uh, it was going to be some tough stuff sledding for the. And so, what did I say to you after the after that second uh, power play that was coming up? Last you game? said it's uh, this could get ugly, and it was still one nothing at ugly. that point. Yeah, and, it, and it's just because we see like outside the Vancouver game when they came back, whatever. It's two different teams. But you, like when you're chasing a game, especially the Oilers, it, it gets really tough. And listen, I, I being at two of the games here and watching it live from the arena, Connor, I'll say this: Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall are, are very. Uh, I, I don't think they get enough praise. They play really solid, 
And I say TJ Brody, he broke up a, like three, four plays I watched yesterday, the two on one with uh, Dry Sidle and McDay. He play, uh, sorry, Dry Sidle and Yamamoto. He played it perfectly. So listen, they, they brought in these older guys like a Bogosian. I, I didn't think they'd be this good, but kudos to them. They're playing. A solid game. Uh, I know the uh, the broadcast was showing the back check of Nylander, of Matthews. Like, everybody's bought in. So I think you have to give them a lot of credit. And they got three goaltenders that are obviously can win games for you. I, I like their decor. I think they're playing solid. So I give all the credit to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I know it's hard for people outside of Toronto. They don't want to give them credit. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs and, 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 and you know, the, the universe. Uh, uh, what's that saying they say? Center, of the, the center of the universe. <laughs> oh, yeah. And all that. But you know what? Like, being in this business and, and being part of the media, like, you appreciate when the team's good. And listen, I saw Toronto school the Oilers, spank the Oilers. And so I give them full marks, uh, Connor. Tom, I mean, we, we saw the Oilers prior to this series, you know, in their last 10. I think they were 8-2. and two. Can this be a good wake-up call for the Oilers? Like, if I'm going to go extreme optimistic person here and just say, you know what, this might be a good thing in the long run because, you know, they learn that they're not as good as their record might have indicated or there's just things that they need to improve on. Yeah, knocks them off their high horse. You figure out what the next level looks like because it just smacked you in the face three times in a row. And then you pick yourself off the ground and uh, you wipe away the tears and then you bottle up all that rage and take it out on the next bully you see in front of you, and that's the Calgary Flames. It is a lesson. I mean, and and I'll, I'll just touch on this, too, in regard to, like, Toronto pushing themselves to the cre- uh, cream of the crop. Yes, they are, but it doesn't mean they, they're not beatable. They're not invincible. They're a really good team. There will be ways to solve their puzzle. There will be times where they're not firing on all cylinders, and the Oilers mm-hmm. are still a good team. They, they are, and there's a reason why they won 11 of 13, and there's a reason why they climbed themselves out of that 3-6 and six hole. They're still a team that is capable of doing that, and now the schedule looks really favorable for them. You got Calgary. You get three in a row against Ottawa. You get uh, the Vancouver Canucks next Saturday night, and then you get Calgary for a couple more, and then I think if if they get through that stretch relatively well, well they should, by the way, then in two weeks from now, they take on the Winnipeg Jets, and I think that's going to be the next big test for this team. Hernan, I want to ask you this one, and I, just because we've got a few texts coming into 10-12-60 about it, Alex Taylock, is there any chance you think he gets any action uh, just based on the play of Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen? I do, 100% I do. I, and I said it on the two guys um, I think he's gonna. I think by April he's gonna be their their go to guy. I I don't know why where everybody's like, well, it's Alex Stalock. I'm like, well, yeah, but you have Mike Smith and Nico Koskinen in here. Like, what are we talking about here? We got <laughs> it's three backups. Uh, but Alex Stalock, like, if you look at his, he's had his best year last year. He's only 33 years old. I know he had the COVID and the heart condition to start the season. That's why he hasn't played. But seems like everything's back to normal and he's good to go. He's just waiting out the quarantine. But I'm, I'm like I, I don't know if you guys will agree with me, but I, I, there's a reason they picked him up. There is, and he's going to come in here, and they're going to give him. Tippett's going to give him games to see what he has, and if he's good in those games, I mean, I don't know if it's Mike Smith or Coughlin, and that's going to land on the taxi squad. I mean, you can put him on waivers, and no one's going to pick him up. But I honestly think, guys, that Alex Daylock's going to get a legitimate shot to steal the net. How about Tom? What do you think? 
It's going to be Mike Smith and Alex Stalock as the two go-to goalies with Miko Koskinen just kind of hanging around. I think it's pretty evident where Dave Tippett feels Miko Koskinen feel, fills in with this uh, group right now and where he fits in. And and that's just as uh, not the go-to guy. So I th- it, they might have to keep him on the roster, all three of them, because of what happened with Anton Forsberg. Who knows what happens? You know, Mike Smith might get hurt again. He is 38, soon to be 39. And like Nanso <laughs> said, this could be Stalock's net. The guy was the starter for the Minnesota Wild last year. If Anton he played, he played. He played every game in the bubble playoffs. Uh, exactly, boys. Right, like they exactly. said, took Dubnik's job. So, who's like? Why can't he come in here where Mike and Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen are so I'm, up and down? Right. I'm telling you, it's going to be Alex Stalock and Mike Smith, and Miko Koskinen is going to be just the third guy. And Ken Holland yeah, and Dave Tippett have no allegiance to Miko Koskinen, right? Like it's it's no. not their guy. They didn't give him the extension, so no. they're not going to be fighting for him. No, they. If, why would they anyway? Lucky. If he can't win. Yeah, and if Go. they're lucky, someone will pick them up, but I highly doubt <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I think they keep all three on the roster for the rest of the season just to be safe. If Anton Forsberg wasn't claimed, do you think he's the starter of this team now? No, not a chance. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Not a yeah, chance. I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's a. I think it's a little different. Um, I joked around with Tom at the beginning. I'm like, Forsberg is going to be the, the go-to guy, but I just think Alex Stalock's a, a, a little bit uh you know, up the goalie scale than that Forsberg is. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We got some love for for Alex Daylock here on this show. I like it. And you know, Kevin Whitley was on on the Gregor show, and you know, he, one of the things that he said was that just his style of play—it's a little bit more aggressive. Like he's right on the edge of his crease, and you know, he he might start getting into a defenseman, like hitting them in the backside because he plays so far out there and so aggressively, which could be an adjustment. Maybe Staylock uh, adapts and and plays a little bit different. But I'm looking forward to seeing it when he's able to get between the pipes. Uh, just you know, on the topic of that guy coming in here and taking. Taking a job, do you think the Oilers look at the deadline to bring anyone in, especially you know outside of Canada, just with the whole quarantine process that they would have to go through? Is it worth it? Oh, go ahead, Tom. I I don't like the chances of it happening. I think that they'll explore all options. I'm curious to know if they'll impose their own deadline prior to the actual NHL deadline, just because of the quarantine situation. But anybody hoping for a miracle from another Canadian team in the North Division, I think that that's a fleeting thought. Yeah, I'm kind of with Tom. I I know on the post-game show, and I mean, Connor, you worked on that show for so long as well. You get a lot of trade, uh, a lot of trade proposals and stuff like that. I I just I agree with Tom, where I think all the teams are going to try to make a deal just before because of the quarantine and all that. But I just don't see how the orders make anything work. Like, who's going back the other way? Um, they they don't have money. Yeah, you can move money out, but who? So I I think the orders are fine. I I, I kind of I don't mind their depth right now. They gotta if they stick with the dry line, they gotta find a guy to play with Connor McDavid and. Um, <laughs> I'd say it's more for an off-season move to try to find that. I, I just don't see a, a trade happening uh, this season for the Edmonton Oilers. Right. Like, trade deadline, guys, like, it's probably going to be the slowest one ever, right? And yeah. it's due to the pandemic, obviously. <laughs> uh, Tom, the dry line, Hernan brought it up. Uh, 
the nudie line, uh, dynamite line, whatever you want to call it. What did you make of them last night against the Leafs, and uh, do you think it sticks together for the next uh, little while here? I hope it sticks together. Why not? It didn't really get a fair shake last night, and uh, you may as well. I mean, you got Puliarvi and McDavid. You could throw whoever else you want on the left side. Give them a try. You can move Ennis up there. You could throw Archibald up there. You could keep Neil up there. I know that they rotated McDavid through a couple of lines. Let it. Let it have a couple of games to run this this dry nudie dynamite line just don't don't just knee jerk reaction and take it out finally after caving to putting it together again for the first time um uh, you know even this this clamoring for a legit winger for McDavid uh some of some of the times i see those texts and i'm like what in the world are you expecting so, yeah, l- leave leave it for – let's see what happens on Saturday and go from there. What do you think, Hernan? And, yeah, I I hope he keeps it. Um, it. It was a little unsettling last night watching McDavid play with every winger. Um, I mean, and, and now, like, he needs to find a guy to have some chemistry with. Uh, I'd, I'd stick with him and Pugliarvi and maybe move up in Ennis. Um, I, I really like Tyler Ennis. Uh, he's got the skill to play on that line, or even if Cahoon's back, give it a try. But I'd like to see the dry line continue. I, I thought they had a really good first shift. They scored the only goal. But outside of that, you know, they're – and Dreisaitl said it before the game, like it might take him a while to get going. So I hope that he sticks with it and and um, and uh, gives it another look. At, at, but I don't know. Dave Tippett's probably not too happy with the game last night. and he might just go back to the, the duels that he likes, right? So I guess we'll find out tomorrow uh, when we see uh, the Lions at practice. But I really hope he sticks with the dry line. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'd like to see that one more go, especially against the Flames team and then a the Senators team. I mean, I think that's a lot of success could come out of that that group there. And uh, one more for you guys. It was kind of the talk of social media last night and uh, kind of again today. I know I'm getting involved in uh, in tweets about it when I'm not even talking about the topic. But uh, Leon Dreisaitl, a little bit upset after, at one of the questions that was asked of him last night. Uh, Scotty Upshaw said on the Gregor show today that, you know, that's a good reaction. You you should be pissed off. Uh, I think we've had a few people say that you know it it was t- directed towards a reporter, but that's frustration in the room. Uh, just what do you guys make of the whole situation? Are we overblowing it because we yes. are in a, a fishbowl like Edmonton? Yes, hundred percent. Those those happen all the time on different teams around all thirty one cities in the National Hockey League. Uh, here it gets blown out of proportion because everybody's got their attention focused on it. They like the battles between the media and the individual players. They're going to happen. Like it's You're stuck with these people. You're talking to them every day. I know we're not in the same room face-to-face with them, uh, so it, it's a little bit different, and everyone's fighting to get on to, to ask those questions post-game. It just gets blown out of proportion. Some people take the player's side. Some people think the player is a whiner. Some people take the media's side. Most take the player's side and dump on the media. Sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. But totally overblown just because of the scenario with them losing three in a row, who it is in Leon Dreisaitl, and then at the the other end it's Rob uh, from the Sun. And, and Titch, Titch is a vet, man. Like, he knows – which questions to ask? He's going to throw heaters, um, and and you want a good reaction, and and he got one, and it, it, they happen. It's it's part of the business. 
Yeah, I listen. It's yeah, I, I, I it kind of bugged me today. These all the media experts out there on Twitter and yeah, you know, all the media just always ask stupid questions. And I'll say this, Connor, because it really does bug me. Like for all those media experts, I'd like to grab one of them and just say, "Okay, come to a scrum, come and with you me. ask the first question." Yeah, like seriously, luck. come and ask the first question because I guarantee you, what comes out of their mouth. So what did you think of the game? Because it's, <laughs> no, it's they just, you know what comes out of their they, mouth, Hernan. Remember right. when you scored that goal? That was awesome. Yeah. Like Chris Farley, Paul yeah. McCartney, SNL skit. And, and, that's what it would be. And that's what we got to listen. I for most for the most part, most media ain't fans of the Edmonton Oilers. They cover the team. It's their job. They report. Like and, and, and fans take it like personal. Like, oh, why are you asking? Leon Dryson on Conor McDavid, tough questions. Well, you know what? They stunk out the joint. The whole team did. It's okay to ask tough questions. Listen, if I'm a fan of a team, I want the reporters to ask the tough questions. I don't want softballs where it's going to be cliche after cliche. You know what? You want to see a, a, some tough reporting? Go to Buffalo and, and, and watch Mike Harrington. It's, it's, not just, it's not just here in Edmonton, man. Like, go to the NFL, man. Those reporters are ruthless. They're doing their job. It's it is what it is. And listen, I have no issues with Drysaddle's response. I'll be honest, I don't. I have no issues Titch, with the question or the response. Yeah, and Titch went on there today and he said it got the best of him too. And he and he probably should have left out the uh, you know talking uh, you know staying with uh, I can't even remember what he said. Sorry guys, but like his opening line to the second question, which was probably what rubbed Leon the wrong way, but. I have no issue with either one. Like it's no, this happens more. Like Tommy said, Tom's been in the media for a long time. He's traveled with the team. This stuff happens, but I just get, I just get annoyed sometimes with, with the experts out there. Like ask better questions. I'm like, well then give me one. Come to the next huh. drum. What is seriously, the- I'll give you like, it's, it's one of those things to car. Well, yeah. Is there, is there great questions? Yes. Is there some bad ones? Of course. It's of course. it's 100%. funny because I see a lot of people on social media, you know, the fans saying, "Well, this is why so and so doesn't want to come to Edmonton." Well, why do oh, people God. play for the Yankees? Why do people play for the Lakers? Why do people play for the Maple Leafs? Uh, you know, the Knicks. Like, but those media sources are pretty ruthless, but they can still attract free agents. Maybe it was the decade of sucking, which is why team players might not want yes. to come to Edmonton. The team was garbage. The management was a mess. Yeah. It, it was bad all around. The city, was, yeah, I like. I said it on my podcast earlier. I said, you know why players, players don't leave cities because of the media or or because of press conferences. And players don't don't want to not come to your city because of that. You know why players don't? Because your team sucks. It's yep. plain and simple. Like, it has nothing to do with the media. Like, when I hate that term when, like, oh, he's, he's uh He's uh, what's the term like? Oh, he's getting running out of the city. Again. He's <laughs> running this guy out of town again. Like, come on, seriously? <laughs> like, nobody swings famous. that big of a hammer anymore. <laughs> and don't nobody. you think, like, if 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 you were to run a guy out of town, I you know you might be unfairly ripping on players, and we've seen that before. I think it was Philadelphia with Voracek. There was the reporter who you know continually ripped on him, and and eventually he just kind of had it and fought back, but. You don't run a guy out of town. Like, Ken Holland doesn't give two, you know, what's about what I think about a player or what Gregor or right. what Rashog is like. Exactly. If, and if he does, 
he's probably not a very good GM, right? So, yeah, that that gets a little bit overblown. Uh, guys, uh, we could probably talk about this, what frustrates us as members of the media for a long time, but uh, I really do appreciate you hopping on, Tom Gazzola. You can catch him on the post-game show as well as pre-game show with me, TSN 1260, as well as the oil stream with Dustin Nielsen, Hernan Salas on the post-game show, as well as two guys in a goalie and the Locked on Oilers podcast. Guys, thanks so much for doing this today, and uh, maybe we'll do it again down the road. Thank you, Connor. Wow, it's fun. Thank you, buddy. Excellent stuff from the Don Wien on White post game show. Tom Gazzola and Hernan Salas. Give them both a follow on Twitter at Tom Gazzola at Hernan Deman. And, uh, you know, we, we're going to ramble a little bit about the, the media members as that's kind of the side that we fall on. But, you know, I have no problem with the question that Titch asked and I have no problem with the response from Leon Drysaddle. It could have ended there, but, you know, social media has to have their voice heard and really blow it up into something that I don't think it had to be, but whatever. We will move on. The Edmonton Oilers are going to do that Saturday night, taking on the Calgary Flames, and after that, three games against the Ottawa Senators. So, a chance to right the ship. You got four winnable games coming up, and now go out and do it. Speaking of a team that is handling their business, the Bakersfield Condors, they found a way to right the ship. Not the best start to the season, but things are going well for the team. Now, Stuart Skinner, Two straight shutout bids for the Condors, and uh, they're playing some pretty good hockey right now. With that, let's bring in the voice of the team, Ryan Holt. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Condors Holty. Ryan, thanks a lot for doing this again. How are you doing today? I'm great, Connor. How are you? I'm doing very good, and we uh, really appreciate you making some time to hop on the other Connor podcast here. And last time we spoke, we had just found out that the AHL season would be getting underway. Uh, since then, uh, I guess before we talk about the current edition of the team, can you take me behind the scenes? Like, what went into making this season happen for the Condors? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We went from zero to a hundred uh, pretty much overnight. You know, a lot of us were you know, for lack of a better term, on our couches, uh, you know, kind of just waiting and waiting. And uh, some players were already in town uh, kind of practicing. But for the most part, you know, some guys were in Europe. Some guys were, you know, parts unknown around the U.S. and Canada. Uh, so that all had to be straightened out and, and get to Condors Town and, you know, kind of make ice and get advertising and sponsorships all squared away. It was kind of a hectic uh i think we had probably a week and a half two weeks of of a training camp if you will and then into kind of opening weekend uh, the first weekend of february and uh you know the team hadn't been together that long uh, i think our first day on ice was january 25th and our first game was feb 5 so uh really quick turnaround uh, happy it, it all came together though and uh you know there's you know, a thousand protocols that we go through every day now. Uh, but at the end of the day, and I've been telling everyone on a scale of one to 10, it's, it's really a minor inconvenience for, for what we're able to do this year and to be able to, you know, play games and, and get things going this season. So what has changed for the players? I mean, is it daily testing? What kind of routine do they go through on a, let's just say an average game day? Yeah. So it's, it's similar to, to what the NHL teams are going through, obviously modified. You know, for for an AHL franchise, but uh, you know, wherever possible, it's you know the NHL standard, if you will, uh, in, in terms of protocol. So testing's about three to four times a week, and and there's a list of, of personnel who's uh, tested. Um, so differing teams have different uh, rules as to who's on the list. Uh, for instance, I'm on the list for for our group just because I'm I'm so ingrained with the team downstairs, if you will, down the dressing room. So anybody who has contact with the team uh, is tested regularly. 
the team is in two different locker rooms now, so uh, that, again, just goes to spacing. Uh, there's not as much time spent at the rink, so uh, if it's a, a 7 o'clock game, you know, some veterans usually would show up at 4 o'clock. Well, nowadays you're only allowed to, to come into the rink about an hour and a half before the game, so uh, that certainly changes things a little bit and uh, travel's a little different. Uh, we only go day of game now as opposed to spending a night before in the hotel like we usually would, so things are a little different but as i mentioned it's it's just a minor inconvenience meetings are all virtual they're not kind of hunkered down in the locker room you know spread around a, a tv or around the big screen so uh, a little different uh, a little more work a little more technology but at the end of the day uh, it's all in the name of safety and, and we're able to get it done that's uh, that's great to hear and uh yeah like you say a minor inconvenience but to get the games played uh, definitely worth it we've had a few people say you know in the nhl that they've actually liked some of the things that have come from the new style of play where you're traveling to a city and rather than you know flying in for a night then flying out immediately following uh, you stick around for a couple days play a few games uh, that's been a benefit for some players has there been anything that's come out of this that you think you know could carry over once this covid passes yeah the interesting thing is you know and especially from an nhl standpoint uh you know i kind of look at the, the oilers schedule and look at what's kind of going on with the NHL teams, and, and it mirrors a lot of what the AHL and minor leagues have done for, for years. Uh, I mean, we've played Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, you know, in Colorado or in Tucson pretty much, you know, the entire time. So you're playing back-to-back sets against teams. You're playing um, in the same city for, for a couple of days if you're, if you're flying. And uh, so I think that's great from an NHL standpoint. I hope they actually keep that even if the divisions end up spreading. You know, if you go to a city, you, you play kind of back-to-back or you play a Monday-Wednesday type deal. And I think it's great for the league because it, it kind of builds a little more rivalries and, and you get to see teams more often. And I think it makes for better games. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that, that we've been doing for, for years down here in the, you know, the AHL and the ECHL. And, um, you know, I think it's great for, for everybody. I want to ask you about Stuart Skinner. Obviously, he played one game for the Oil this season, picks up the win against the Ottawa Senators back on January 31st, but now down with the Condors and playing some outstanding hockey, back-to-back shutouts, hasn't let a goal in in almost 150 minutes. Uh, what's been the key to his success so far for the start, uh, to the start of the season for the Condors? Yeah, it's twofold. One, it's a, it's a very important year for him. It's, you know, year three of a, you know, an entry level contract. So this is kind of the, you know, prove it kind of season, I guess, if you will. And last year, he was the, the number one goaltender almost by default because Shane Starrett was injured and uh, Stewart kind of played 41 games last year. He would have ended up playing just about 90% of the games last year if we finished the season and, uh, you know, got, kind of got thrown in the fire and, uh, you know, I, I don't think he had the, the horses necessarily in front of him as well, too, and, and some of it was some growing pains, but he's just come down as a, a really confident netminder here this season. Uh, he's calm in his own end, and uh, we're one of the top teams in shots against and, and created uh, in the American Hockey League. So we spend a lot of time in the attacking zone, and as a result, uh, there isn't much in terms of workload in the defensive end. Now, that said, when there are 10 belt saves that need to be made, Stu's been there here uh, over the course of the season. Uh, he started the last five games and uh, looking forward to his progression this year, but uh, really calm. And like you mentioned, he stopped, uh, I think it's you know 63 of his last 64 and has gone uh, nearly three games without letting a goal in. So uh, a great job by him, great job by the team in front of him. And, uh, you know, if he becomes a rock back there, especially with the offensive, you know, gift this team has, 
Um, it's going to be a, a special season, you know, however long it goes and whether there's playoffs or anything like that. So it's, uh, it's a fun time, and uh, Stu's been a big part of it. Now, you've been with the Condors for a while now. You've seen a lot of goalies come through town. Uh, is this kind of just the natural development that you've seen, the arc just continuing to go in that right direction? Yeah, and I think, you know, nobody's path, and I've said this about a, a thousand different players and, and goalies probably more so than anybody, uh, nobody's path is the same. Nobody's road is the same. Nobody gets off at the same exit. Uh, everyone kind of, you know, circumnavigates themselves around and, uh, you know, look at the probably the best netminder that's been in Bakersfield, at least in the ECHL or the AHL era, and, and that's Laurent Bersois. You know, starts with Calgary, ends up in Alaska, shuts out the Condors a couple times, then gets traded to Edmonton, gets sent to Bakersfield, you know, has an incredible season with us in the ECHL, does very well with us in the American Hockey League, and kind of weaves his way to Edmonton and now to Winnipeg. And, um, you know, I think that's just the natural progression of things. And, and this is a big year. You know, there's a lot of players here in Bakersfield kind of in a – in a in a weird spot because it's a, a year three or they're ending their entry level contract, but it's also a season that, you know, for lack of a better term, is just strange. You know, it's a forty game season, it's a sprint. Um, you know, a lot of these guys started in Europe this year, so uh, it, it's it's been good to see a lot of these guys come in with a good focus this season, even if there maybe isn't that carrot of you know an NHL recall this year or even playoffs or a championship. Uh, they've come in with a good mindset of, hey, let's just go out and win hockey games and, and do the best we can with what we have. And, um, it's been fun to watch. Uh, one guy uh, that some Oilers fans thought might have a chance to, to hang around with the team this year was Tyler Benson. Uh, this year so far for the Condors, in six games he's got a goal and four assists. How's he been playing? Yeah, he's been his usual self here. Uh, he's fourth in the AHL and well, since his time in the AHL, so that's about 120 games now here in the American Hockey League. He's fourth over that span in assists, so he's in the, the top 13, 14 in scoring as well during that time. So uh, he, he does everything you know, for us. He drives that line with Marodi and, and with Ryan McLeod. They've been so good the last couple of weeks since they've been put together. And you know, For Tyler, he started in Europe. He started over in the Swiss League this year and then you know, had to quarantine when he came back. So, you know, kind of was off the ice for, for two, three weeks and had to kind of regain his legs and, you know, had a little bit of an injury uh, opening weekend and now has, has been, you know, really solid for us. And I, I think the 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 good part about what you've seen for Tyler Benson, and, and uh, I don't necessarily put a lot of stock into letters, but he's wearing an A this year. Um, you know, he's a, a, a younger player on this team, but as Jay Woodcroft mentioned, he's kind of the, the voice of the young core of this team, if you will. So uh, I think it speaks volumes to his character. Uh, I think he has tremendous upside. I love him as a person. And, um, you know, I think he's uh, a solid addition here. And his time will come at the next level. Uh, you know, if you talk to him or if you talk to people around him, you know, it might be, you know, a little later than what they have wanted. But he's enjoying being here and he's enjoying, um, you know, his time in Condors now. Yeah, and I mean, from what we've seen up here, when players come from Bakersfield, they're ready to play. Even if it might be a little bit yeah. later than they had hoped, uh, the staff down there does an outstanding job getting them NHL ready. I want to ask you about uh, Cooper Marodi, Gambardella, and Brad Malone, uh, the guys currently leading the team in scoring. Uh, you think there's Is there any disappointment there when maybe in previous years you could just be an injury away from getting up to the NHL this year with the taxi squad? It's just a little bit tougher. 
Yeah, it's it's strange in the sense of, you know, this is our team, but that's also kind of the the flip side of it is guys are looking around the dressing room and going, okay, this is our group. You know, we know we have this group moving forward. We know that, you know, if, if Coop scores two goals tonight, he's not going to get plucked and go to, you know, a, an Oilers game in Anaheim the next night, and then we're going to lose 5 nothing because we don't have Coop. So uh, I think everyone's kind of looking around. It's kind of almost been galvanizing. You know, this is, this is our team. This is the Condors. We know that in different years, you know, guys would have been called up by now. Guys would have been up and down. We probably would have had five or six guys that are currently in Edmonton, either on the taxi squad or on the Oilers, at least play a game for the Condors by now. So uh, it works both ways, and I think it's been galvanizing for the team. And, and when you look at Marodi, it's great to see him back healthy. Gambardella and, and Malone, you just know what they're going to bring every night. And, and that's a work ethic, that's a leadership group, and that's uh, you know uh, just a drive to be as good as they possibly can be. And, um, you know, we, we've got three really good scoring lines right now, and Alan Klein's out injured right now. But, um, you know, there's three really good scoring lines right now for this team that, you know, have allowed Jay Woodcroft and, and the coaching staff some, some really good flexibility up front. What can you tell us about Luke Esposito currently leading the team in goal scored? Yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, Jay Woodcroft mentioned it post-game last night. You know, he's the epitome of what a, a condor should be. Uh, and, and what, you know, if, if Jay was kind of listing off 10 skills or 10 traits of, of what a condor should be, you know, it's Luke Esposito. Um, you know, here's a guy who, again, ECHL contract, started in ECHL, went to Grand Rapids, comes here on an AHL contract, re-signs a two-year deal uh, this past uh, off season, And, um, you know, just like Jay mentioned, he's the epitome of what, what this Condors team wants. And I think he has underrated skill just in the sense of, you know, he might not be looked upon as, as a scorer, but he's always that type of player that starts on the third line, starts on the PK, starts on the fourth line, starts as a, a checker, and then all of a sudden by the end of the season, here he is on your, your top line wing, he's on the power play, and he's, you know, he's always there in, in, in points. So somehow, some way, he always finds his way uh, in, in, to make a factor into a game. And, uh, you know, he had a big night last night with two goals, and he's off to a great start. How has Jay Woodcroft and his coaching staff adapted with the whole changes, obviously, with COVID, knowing that your team's going to be there with you for the long run? I mean, how have you seen them adapt to this 2021 unique season? Yeah, it's interesting. I think if if it was a normal season, they were kind of looking at it in the summer of, well, this is a, a team that's pretty loaded. You know, we brought in Adam Cracknell and Seth Griffith, Alan Quine, that's kind of veteran pieces up front. You add that to the, the players you've already mentioned, and you know, this is a really dynamic offensive team. And then things kind of change. You know, there's no Sam Arukov, There's no Lavoie. There's no Maximoff. You know, Lindstrom ends up going up. The taxi squad kind of takes three or four defensemen potentially away from you. And now you look at it and you go, well, who do we have on the back end? Who do we have in net? You know, we, we kind of thought it was going to be Forsberg and Skinner. And now it's Skinner and Rodriguez. And um, I think one thing that they've always been good at, they've been prepared and, and diligent in their preparation and that's allowed them to, when the tweaks happen, to really just go with the flow at that point because they're already prepared for whatever. So, for instance, I mean, we were getting on a bus, getting ready to go to San Jose last Thursday or last Wednesday, getting ready for a game on Thursday, and got a call that the game's going to be off because of COVID protocols. And, and now the schedule changes, practices change, but you have to kind of keep the flow going, and, and they've done a great job with it. Uh 
Ryan, I really appreciate you doing this and uh, spending some of your time to hop on the Other Connor podcast with me today. Oh, just a couple more questions for you. Has there been anyone who has surprised you this year, maybe kind of flown under the radar that Oilers fans should maybe be paying attention to? Sure. Uh, I'll start on the back end. Marcus and he's the, the young guy back there, if you will, on an NHL contract. We don't really have many NHL contracted defensemen. Uh, I think Nima Linen is the only NHL contracted defenseman now that Lindstrom's been called up to the taxi squad. So, uh, Nima Linen, four points in eight games, and, uh, he's been really solid, uh, as a physical defenseman. I kind of viewed him as a shutdown type of defenseman, but there's an offensive side to, to his game that he's shown here early on. And I know the numbers don't kind of speak that out, you know, in, in the Swedish league the last couple of years, but, He's been very good for us uh, here in Bakersfield. And uh, a young defenseman has all the physical tools in the world that you'd look for in a defenseman, can really skate, and I think, uh, you know, has an opportunity, I think, and has shown himself well here early on, um, you know, on a two-year, you know, entry-level contract to kind of give him a shot, you know, going into, you know, next year. So hopefully he can continue on this path throughout the the rest of the season and, and have a good summer and come back ready to roll. And one final question for you. You saw Kyler Yamamoto for 50 games. Uh, he's someone that I've been very impressed with. The guy just does not quit, like the epitome of a workhorse. When he was down with the Condors, was was that something you saw night in, night out? Because the only question I have is, I mean, can he keep on doing this? Oh, yeah, he can keep on doing it. That's how he plays. And, you know, he always shows up to the rink with a, with a smile on his face. And uh, You know, I think with him, you look, you know, the first thing you look at is his size and you just, you know, you, all the assumptions kind of come into your head. Oh, well, you know, he's small. He must be, you know, fragile and stuff, but he's not. He, he loves the contact. He loves being in on the four check. I think that's his best skill is is the ability to, to force pucks and, and to turn pucks over in the attacking zone. And, um, you know, when he was here, it was, you know, with – uh, Brad Malone or Gambardella, and that line was just relentless in the attacking zone, and now kind of Esposito's on that line as well too. But um, you know, Yamamoto's a, a terrific hockey player. He's a terrific player on the ice. He's a great guy off the ice, and uh, he's got a great NHL career in front of him. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for doing this. Enjoy the weekend south, the Ontario rain. Have good calls, and uh, hope we'll get you on down the road to talk once again. Thank you so much, Connor. Appreciate it. That is the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, Ryan Holt. Really appreciate him coming on the show today, and definitely a different set of circumstances for the Condors. Like I said in the interview, if you're Cooper Marodi or Joseph Gambardella, maybe Brad Malone, you could be one injury away from getting that call and hopping on the next flight to Edmonton, or like he said, meeting them in Anaheim. This year, you're locked in with the Bakersfield Condors, so uh, a good chance for them to develop some chemistry and go on a bit of a run here, and for Stuart Skinner, Great to see. We saw him in the one game against the Ottawa Senators back in January. Wasn't maybe the strongest performance. He did pick up the W, which was great. And uh, you just hope that he develops. Uh, with goaltenders, there's no real set plan on how to do it. Some guys pan out quick. Some guys take a little bit more time. And uh, Stuart Skinner looks like he's trending in the right direction. Speaking of the future, the Oilers back in action Saturday night when they take on the Calgary Flames down at the Ice District. It's an 8 o'clock puck drop, so that means you can listen to the pregame show with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself on TSN 1260 coverage beginning at 6.30. After that, for the Oilers, you've got the Ottawa Senators three straight games Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The next time you hear from me will be Tuesday, so we'll recap the weekend for the Oilers as well as their game against the Sens. 
like I said, I'm trying to track down some former players so we can get some alumni on this show to hear about their time with the oil. But of course, we'll recap those games with some members of the local media and much more. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the other Connor podcast here. One more time, check out DraftKings. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. My name's Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Big thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network as well. We'll talk to you guys next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.